Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to After Buzz TV's after show of Insatiable. It was a wild season, a lot to get through tonight. We're going to be talking about all of our favorite characters, some of the crazy controversies, and all of the incredible satirical themes of this season. A lot to look forward to and some crazy segments we've got lined up for you later in the show. It's After Buzz TV's Insatiable After Show right now. You're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz what is going on everyone it is after buzz tv's insatiable here at after buzz tv in los angeles a wild first season of insatiable to say the least we've got a lot to cover today again we're talking about some of our favorite characters the crazy twists and turns that this very soap like show took throughout this first season and we've got some special segments bob quotes and some weird pageants that we will have later on in the episode. So stick around for it. Guys, I'm introducing the lovely Maggie Clark. It is her first after show here at AfterBuzz TV. Give it up for her. Oh, thank you so much, Kevin. Hi, guys. I'm Maggie Clark. I'm so excited. My first time ever working with AfterBuzz TV. And we hope you enjoy our show today on the amazing show, Insatiable. Oh, God. It was a good one. And it was... It was crazy, but it got a lot of crazy press. We're going to get into that a little bit later. I want to talk about some of these amazing characters because they were rich. They were rich characters. Something that I haven't seen on TV in a long time. And our protagonist, Patty, was particularly interesting. When you saw Patty at the beginning of the show compared to her transition towards the end, what did you make of that transition in her character arc? Wow. Well, Patty had quite a journey throughout the season, as we saw. And when we first saw Patty, she was really hating herself. She had very low self-esteem. She didn't really know who she was. She only had one friend, Nani. She was overeating. That was her only comfort. And she really was a sad character. And then throughout this journey, we saw her kind of start over when she lost all that weight, when she began pageants, when she met Bob. She really developed this new personality because she realized she had a clean slate. So it was interesting to see her journey. But then, as we saw at the end of season one, she took a dark turn. And I know we'll talk about that more later. But what did you think about Patty? I think it was interesting to see her character, yes, develop a little bit of confidence when she lost her weight, and I know that there's a lot of controversy, or at least seemingly controversy around her fat, sh- you know, fat shaming around this show, but when she lost her weight, she developed this confidence that was very different than something that she had experienced before. She had uh, more friends, she got a boyfriend, but what was so interesting is that she still struggled immensely. There were still these challenges. The weight loss, she admitted in the very last episode, and even episode 11, that the weight loss didn't do anything to change who, you know, didn't improve her life. It almost, in some respects, like, made it worse that she lost this weight because it totally changed the path that she was on before and the comfortability that she was experiencing. Did did you feel that? 
Yes, definitely. And especially uh, we heard that quote that she said, skinny is magic. Mm. And she thought that just because she was skinny, her life was going to take this incredible turn and she was going to win all these pageants and she was going to have all this life success just because she was skinny. But that was a really interesting message that unfolded throughout the show that showed us, no, skinny is not magic. Mm -hmm. It uh, depends on who you are inside and who you love inside. So yeah, I know we'll talk more about that as the show progresses. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. the big question is, and which was introduced in the last episode as she was dealing with Christian, is Patty a good person? After everything that she saw, after all of the transformation that she had endured throughout the season, could you wrap around the... you know, your head around the fact that she was a good person in the end? Oh my gosh. So I struggled with my feelings about Patty because as an audience member, I started out really loving her character. I, you know, thought that she had all this promise, all this potential. I was on that journey with her. And then as it unfolded and she had more and more terrible things that she was doing, it kind of built up. And then at the end, when she has this confession that she murdered potentially not one, but two people, Mm. how can we still think she's a good person? So that on top of also doing these other things like breaking up Bob's marriage, outing him and his sexual orientation, um, Oh, punching a girl punching off of a, a bus. Punching a girl off of a bus. And, and even dropping her off of her wheelchair when yeah. she was, at the time, supposedly paralyzed, which we found out later she wasn't. But yeah, all of these things started to add up for me, and I was starting to feel like, wait a minute, Patty is not a good person. And I will defend her a little bit in saying that she was forced into these situations that weren't entirely her fault. You saw... An individual in Bob, who Bob Armstrong being one of our favorite characters, and I love him to death, but he did put her in an awkward situation later on where after episodes and episodes, he had been preaching the idea of her coming out of her shell and loving herself and being her true self is truly what he had reiterated time and time again. And then when she finally saw the hypocrisy of him not being true to himself and keeping it hidden that he was having a, you know, sexual affair with Bob Barnard, in her mind, it was a betrayal. And so I, you know, I sympathize with the fact, though I don't agree with the fact that she outed him, you know, I can see why there was frustration. The fact, obviously, when Dixie was, you know, trying to do what she was doing and trying to sabotage all of the uh, all of the social standing that she, she had built up throughout this season, like I understand why she did what she had to do with throwing her out of the wheelchair and then later defending herself by punching her off of the weenie mobile. It was just you know there were a lot of situations that Patty was put in that right. I sympathize with her character and the decisions that she made. I do see your perspective on that definitely. I feel like the roast itself was a bad decision that never should have happened. Bob never should have put her in that situation where all of her dirty secrets and all this negativity was going to come out and she was just going to be made fun of and beat down time after time again. So of course those feelings were rising inside of her that she kind of wanted to get revenge on all of these people that were saying these horrible things and yeah Yes, uh, Dixie did attack her on top of the weenie mobile. So I do understand all of those things, how mm-hmm. we can kind of somewhat forgive her for those actions. But the murder is unforgivable. The murder is, in some respects, unforgivable. <laughs> yeah. But you have another culprit in this, and that is Bob Armstrong. And we'll mm-hmm. get to the murder a little bit later. But Bob, 
he made the show. Oh. Undoubtedly, I I loved every moment of Dallas Roberts being on screen. Every little quirk he had, every little uh, just moment where he just stole the camera. What did you think of Bob and his character throughout this entire series? Oh, I loved Bob. I thought he was just so great. I felt like, same as you, Kevin, every moment he was in front of the camera was comedy gold. Mm. It was just, you know, he had these quick uh, lines and just these little quips and just very clever things to say always. And his facial expressions and his... Just personality was delightful. He was really fun to watch always. So he was he was a delight. He he had so many good one liners. Yeah. One of my favorites was when he it was in the second to last episode. It was when Roxy was trying to like it was, she wasn't really breaking in. She was fiddling with the uh the recycling bin outside and, and they had just come back from the gay club and he kind of mumbled to Bob Barnard when Bob was going to go approach Roxy, though they didn't know it was Roxy. He's like, what if one of those big beefy bear men followed us home to try and force us to double tame him? It's like, <laughs> it was just epic. The writing in the show was phenomenal. and it, it, it was smart. I was laugh out yep. loud. I haven't felt that in a long time. Like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's laugh out loud funny sure. for me. Insatiable was one of those shows. I agree with you. It was just a lot of fun. It was just a blast. Yeah. <laughs> what did you make about... The relationship between Bob Armstrong and then Bob Barnard, because it took a wild twist. It really did. I had no idea that was coming. I never saw that in a million years until it was right in front of our faces. Uh Uh, You know, Bob and Bob, they just had this relationship where they hated each other through the whole first half of the season. They were, you know, uh, enemies in the courtroom, enemies in high school, um, enemies... In the pageant world. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we find out that they're both actually in love with one another. It's just, it was a really crazy twist. Never saw it coming. Uh, But it was kind of fun to see the two of them living their truth. Mm -hmm. However, I was not a fan of the fact that both of them were cheating on their wives and living this lie for so long. But what did you think? I I thought it was an incredible buildup. Something that, as you reiterated, it was something I did not fully expect. I questioned Bob Armstrong's sexuality throughout. I think that his flamboyancy in some of his interests were... could tease that being a reality. Like, I saw that it could be possible, but I did not necessarily pick up on Bob Barnard. And when I think back on it, you think of all the times he was shirtless in front of Bob Armstrong, <laughs> yes. and just and then you had Bob uh, Bob Armstrong with the uh, with the shake weight all the time, just mm-hmm. always. <laughs> there were so many sexual jokes throughout this entire series. It, it was it was hilarious. Oh I my couldn't. Gosh. I couldn't even handle it sometimes. I agree. But but for for you, what did you make of the thruple at the end? The thruple. Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? I was rooting for the th- the thruple. I, I wanted it to be a thing because at first I was really confused in my feelings like, "Oh no, you know, I want him to be back with Coralie. I want them to just have this really happy relationship forever and ever. They're best friends. They've been together over 20 years. They have two children." Um, but then once the thruple was kind of happening, that hotel room scene. I thought, you know what, maybe this could work. There's a lot of, um, you know, sexual magnetism between the three of them, Mm. and it would solve all of Bob's problems. But then we found out, of course, that Barnard was 
not into it. He wanted Baba all to himself. I think Cora Lee would have been fine with it moving forward, but mm-hmm. Barnard kind of blew the whole thing up. It was amazing yeah. to see this. It's interesting to say that anybody is being selfish in this situation because you are talking about the emotions of a certain individual. You know, you don't know whether or not the other person is going to be cool uh, with inviting another person emotionally into the foray. And I, I, it was it was a very interesting episode. I also struggled. I didn't know what to make of it. Right. Um, and I didn't know who to root for, though throughout, Coralie was one of those characters that I just couldn't love, especially because at the beginning of the season, she was one of those people who was at least a social climber, at least that's how they viewed her. And I think that the portrayal of Patty after the pageant that they had won together was something that stuck with me. I didn't really think highly of her character after that because, again, the social climber aspect was the driving force behind all of her motivations with Patty. So that really was a turnoff. So in the end, I was rooting for Bob Barnard, and we're left hanging. I mean, we don't know if a season two happens where that would lead where they left it off. Right, exactly. So going in, what if we have a season two, I don't want to tease too much, but if we have a thruple possibility, who are you going to root for to be the final I gotta Bob say, Armstrong duo? It's got to be Coralie for me. Okay. It really has to, just because they have such a history, and it's so sweet. I think, you know, she mentioned... We've been together over 20 years, and we've only spent a few nights away from one another. And there were moments where she just looked at him and said, I just miss my husband. Mm And it just seemed like they really do have a deep bond. And I'm rooting for them. And I definitely uh, see your thoughts about her being a social climber. But she's still a woman in a marriage, and she loves her husband. And I don't really think that Barnard, you know, should break them up. I think maybe he's just, maybe he's just a fling. Maybe mm-hmm. he's just uh, Bob exploring a part of himself that he hasn't gotten a chance to explore yet. And hopefully he'll go back to Coralie. Okay. Well, we go yeah. from one love triangle to another with Brick and Christian, which was a fascinating little love triangle. It felt like Team Edward versus Team Jacob. Yes. It's, that's really what it felt like, did it not? Twilight. Well, even the long hair of Christian, I actually felt like oh they were almost trying to mimic Jacob, and yep. it seemed intentional. Mm-hmm. But who were you rooting for, at least at the beginning? Well, I do love a bad boy, so at the beginning I was rooting for Christian, but okay. then as his story unfolded, I definitely was against him, obviously, because we found out he's a stalker and a kidnapper and he's dangerous and he's leading Patty down this scary path of her, you know, embracing her demon and and that whole thing was crazy. But, um, you know, I, I did like him at first. He was mysterious and sexy and fun. And, you know, she hadn't experienced that before. And but now I just really love that Brick is almost like her hero and the scene where they're jogging together mm. and all of a sudden Christian shows up and he's in his car and Patty tells Brick that Christian's been stalking her and then Brick pulls him out of the car and throws him up against the car and he says, stay away from Patty. And it's almost like, oh my gosh, he's he's her hero, her knight in shining armor. So that was fun for me to see. I agree. Yeah. I was rooting for Brick throughout that. He felt like one of those people who, you know, he made fun of her in that first episode. And so you didn't really know, okay, where do we stand with Brick Armstrong? But then when you hear all of the struggles that he had growing up, he didn't really have a father, which is really weird to think of Bob Armstrong not being around his son, but 
he really couldn't relate to Brick. You know, he had totally different interests and possibly, you know, his closeted homosexuality was a driving force behind not having a lot of things to, to, you know, find common ground with his son, which is, you know, so sad because he is such a loving man. Right, definitely. I think that he was just so wrapped up in the pageant world. That was his extracurricular interest. And Brick was into, you know, sports and and more masculine things. And uh, they just didn't have anything in common. And I just found that dynamic to be so interesting because Brick had uh, the same relationship with Bob, his father, that Bob had with his own father. So, uh, you know, Bob's own father was ignoring him mm-hmm. and didn't he wasn't really there for him growing up. So all of a sudden, Bob realized that he had become his father and he regretted that he didn't develop his relationship with Brickmore. Very true. And as we segue into controversies, After Buzzers, I want to talk about our network and how it produces after shows for nearly all of your favorite TV shows. For dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more, there is no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you and your help uh, after Buzz, you, you help AfterBuzz TV grow in that way. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be, uh, because they are optional. So hit that subscri- uh, subscribe button now for this channel and check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know. Uh, you did so in the comments, and we'll thank you on air. And for now, uh, thank you for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV talk. We really do appreciate it, guys. So segue into all of the controversy that was behind the show because it was rampant and it was fascinating because I did not see it when I was watching. Like, I could see how some of the topics were very controversial because we did have um, a lot of tough subjects that this television show tackled, but I think that they did it in a really fresh way that we don't see on TV. And... It was interesting to hear some of the tweets because we saw a lot of positive tweets as I followed through Twitter and the hashtag Insatiable. I did not find a lot of negativity, but let's uh, let's go to one of the tweets that we saw. Nikki had tweeted on August 14th, Insatiable is actually a really great show. It's literally mocking society, not fat people. I'm happy if it gets a season two. It's satire. It's dark comedy. It isn't meant to be offensive. It's just a twisted kind of humor, which I love. And I couldn't agree more. I think Nikki really kind of hit it on the head with, you know, it is dark comedy. They had some really, you know, putrid jokes and like a lot of sexual, you know, topics, but I think they hit it in a really fun way. What what are your thoughts? I agree. Definitely. I think that there were a lot of things that, ooh, they kind of dipped their toe in the water of, oh, this could potentially be crossing the line and this could offend some people. But uh, overall, I think that there were some shocking topics, a lot of things that were brought up in the show that, uh, wow, definitely made my head spin a little bit. But honestly, I think the overall backlash on the show only came after the first trailer Mm -hmm. was released. And that first trailer caused a lot of people to worry about the show uh, containing too much um, controversy surrounding fat shaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the show progressed we realized that that wasn't really what the show was about. That was just part of Patty's story. That was her introductory uh, 
piece of her character but it really wasn't the driving force on the show and we have some i mean it was really interesting how much the backlash was really uh present before the show came out because i don't know if you guys know or not but there was a petition on change.org and over two hundred thousand people signed this petition to have netflix cancel the show and they were unsuccessful as we know and the show did come out Mm -hmm. but that's a lot of signatures that's That's wild yeah i was surprised and then you know Debbie Ryan herself came out and said that the show is about finding yourself and at the premiere Alyssa Milano she had a lot to say on the carpet and she actually told Vanity Fair something that I thought was interesting so I'm going to go ahead and read her quote she said the show is really a satirical look at what could happen if you do body shame or bully someone and how that trauma affects their life it's also about how looks can be deceiving an exploration of body image about finding validation and the desire to fill a void within Mm. ourselves Mm. so she's really saying a lot there and she goes on to talk about how the show has a lot of societal issues and they're talking about them instead of sweeping them under the carpet so we're having these conversations which is a really positive thing exactly as you're saying like this brought up so many different topics that just aren't talked about often like like they really they talked about sexual assault in a way that was you know it it crossed some lines at certain points but you know nonetheless they had the conversation and and like you talked about with fat shaming you know there's some people uh, i will cite jess she tweeted say whatever you want about insatiable but to me it is the most relatable thing i've seen on tv as someone who's been unconfident in her skin for all her life i feel patty's need for validation and i still do no matter how much weight i lost or glowed up I see myself. So for some people, this was inspirational. It was actually a conversation about, you know what? I haven't been confident in my body, but you know what? That did not always solve all of my issues when I lost the weight. And that's really what the show was about. Right. It was it was about a person who, despite all of the external beauty that she thought she never had, it was the inside that she needed to work on the entire time in order to better herself. Exactly. Yep. And we have a a quote from the show. Yeah. I mean, this was very interesting. Lauren Gussa, she is the showrunner of Insatiable and the creator. And she had a very nice tweet that she had sent out to the fans. She mentioned, when I was 13, I was suicidal. My best friends dumped me. I was bullied and I wanted revenge. I thought if I looked pretty on the outside, I'd feel like I was enough. Instead, I developed an eating disorder and the kind of rage that makes you want to do dark things. I'm still not comfortable in my skin, but I'm trying to share my insides, to share my pain and vulnerability through humor. That's just my way. The show is a cautionary tale about how damaging it can be to believe the outsides are more important. To judge without going deeper, please give the show a chance. And I think that's a great message because it really shows and a lot of people had been slamming the show and the writers for bringing up such harsh topics. But, you know, you see it from this person's perspective. She lived this. And I would say that she has the right to talk about these things. And I think for anybody that thinks that Netflix should have dropped the show or these topics shouldn't have been addressed, really needs to think about the individuals who are trying to tell the story and what they might have experienced through their lives to get to this point where this show was created. So that's right, Kevin, and I agree with you. And I just feel like if you look at all of the characters on the show, every single character has their own issues, their own insecurities. So it really isn't about 
just Patty's journey. It's about the journey of all the characters and how it's really about learning to love yourself and, you know, being nice to others. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we got we got that with Nani and Dee, two right? individuals who ended up coming out as lesbian, or at least Nani came out. Mm. Dee was already, you know, at the point where she uh, was out and was helping Nani through the process of you know, coming to terms with the fact that she, you know, needed to be herself. And mm-hmm. it was cool to see Nani's transformation because she was always overshadowed by Patty throughout the entire beginning of the season. But she finally came into her own when you, she started, you know, listening to herself. She finally found her voice. Indeed. Yeah. And then Dee had a really good quote during the show. And we have it here for you, too. And it's when they're uh, sitting in church and Patty and Dee are talking for the first time, and she says, what do you mean now that you're skinny? And Patty says, I lost 70 pounds, so now it's my turn to get the guy. And then Dee says, being skinny doesn't mean shit if you're ugly on the inside. Just to reiterate that point earlier. That's right. The show really tried to hit that point on the head. And I, I think, think they did. did, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also had a clip I know that you wanted to to share prior to uh, us getting into the themes of this show. So this is going to be Debbie's thoughts on uh, on the show, what Debbie thought about her performance and the subject matter. This came about as a script that made me feel seen and heard and made me laugh, but also felt very much congruent with the stories I wanted to be making. I feel so free. No, I was gonna say totally self-conscious. Oh, thank God, me too. There's such a conviction within the DNA of it, I found to be irresistible. And the beauty of the show is that it's about finding yourself and it's a little tongue-in-cheek, it doesn't take itself too seriously. This is like every great high school movie ever made. Insatiable could be anything. And I think in every single episode, it looks different and you'll find it in a different place. And I think that couldn't be, you know, that couldn't be truer is that this is one of those shows that you found all of these topics just in Insatiable. And I think that that's what was cool about this. Uh, The theme of self-love, I think, is the main theme throughout this entire show. Who, in your mind, do you think exhibited the the uh, the self-love that they needed to, or at least were trying to achieve by the end of the show? Mm. Is there one character that stood out to you as somebody who actually achieved full self-love? Well, I feel like all the characters are on their journey towards self-love. I feel like there isn't just one character that I can think of that has achieved full self-love, except maybe Barnard. Barnard seems to love himself quite a lot. (laughs) He seems very confident in his life decisions. He's proud that he's a gay man. He's proud that uh, he has a family. He's proud of the career that he's built. So I would say he's achieved self-love. But I also think Nani Mm. uh, is really on the right path to self-love. I mean, she... Throughout the season, we saw her realize that, yes, she was gay and that she is in love with her best friend, but she doesn't have to be. And she is now dating someone else and she's just more confident and sure of herself. So I'm happy to see her finding her true self. I I agree. I think a lot of these characters were searching for validation in other places other than themselves. You look at Stella Rose. She was trying to find love in Bob Armstrong, uh, you know... You had Coralie, who was 
again, trying to find love in either her, you know, social status or, or Bob. Christian was trying to find love from Patty. Um, Brick was trying to find the love of a father figure and, you know, ended up segueing into, you know, Patty being that person. So other people were searching for their own, you know, means of getting towards happiness. But really, I, I feel the only character that started with true self-love was D. I think D came into the oh, foray and she was mm-hmm. the one that just immediately was preaching this idea of, you know, be yourself. What what are you what are you waiting around for? That's right. Uh, so I, I feel like that, that was that was um an interesting character. When you were watching uh this show, uh what did you feel and how, or how do you feel they addressed uh sexual orientation and just the the journey that it does take to come to terms. Like they had introduced, even in that clip, um, we had uh, a trans woman actually introduced onto the show. And so that was brought up as well. And we also, obviously, we had the Bobs, the two Bobs that were um, on their own journey. But overall, do you think that the show did uh, did justice uh, to that journey? I think it did. I think one of my favorite episodes was the episode where they had the doggy wash and that a representatives from the LGBTQ community came in and saved the day. And it was really great to see that scene with Debbie and the trans woman together in the bathroom and they're both sharing their insecurities, but they're both saying, hey, you know what? I've got your back. Let's do this together. And then uh, the scene where Nani is talking to the lesbian and, and just saying, you know, hey, tell me about your story because I'm I'm confused. And her story mirrored Nani's story. So it seemed like that conversation kind of helped Nani feel confident to really be herself. Yes. Yeah. I know that we want to get to some of our fun segments. So let's segue on into those. We've got Bob quotes, which Yay. <laughs> Bob, Bob always had the best quotes. He always had the, the one-liners that just always got you. And when he was always talking about Bob Barnard, he always had the best ones. So <laughs> let's start off with the first Bob quote of the night. Carry the caboodles, sit on the horse, wipe the floor. I just miyagi'd you. That's That's great. a pretty damn I good one. I love that miyagi. Bob Baywatch body Barnard. Bob Boxabot Box box of butt plugs, Barnard. Oh, no. These thumb twisters. Box, Bob bulging bicep, Barnard, and Bob boy Barbie, Barnard. That's Which is your favorite? favorite. Yeah. That's the yeah. last one. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, the boy Barbie boy Barnard. Boy Barbie. What's That's your favorite? One. Uh, a box of butt plugs, probably. It's oh just like, God. just so, <laughs> so irreverent, but it's just so I good. just love that when he would give him a nickname. That was so uh. funny. And it was it was great again to see their relationship just transform. Right? Just how you know they bickered Such at each surprise. other at the beginning. It was so great. Yeah. Um, I know that we want to get into yes! your segment. Okay, so for this segment, you guys, we're going to be talking about pageants. But in order to start off that segment, we have a little surprise. Oh my god! So Kevin and I both have pageant crowns. Let's see if they fit over the headphones. Fit. The, the, the headphones, um, because. Kevin and I are Mr. and Ms. After Buzz TV. We've been nominated, so we're going to proudly wear our crowns around the studio. <laughs> it doesn't stay on. It's not staying on. Oh, no. oh, no. Oh, well. Well, I'll lose the crown for now. One down. But anyway, we're going to start off this segment showing off one of my favorite scenes from the show, which is the Miss Magic Jesus opening number. So we're going to play that now. Oh, Jesus. 
you feel me in every single way. Sweet, sweet Jesus inside me. I got you deep in my soul. Deep, deep, deep in my soul. Yeah. Oh, spirit, please ride me. Please, 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 please ride me. Deep, deep, deep in my soul. Time to break it down, y'all. Stone cold, chillin', JC, JC, just you and me, ch ch chillin', you see. By the Sea of Galilee I got a notion that there's motion By the ocean is the potion I need I think you get the gist You've been top of my list Stay the bliss you could risk Swear to God I need a fix Stay the bliss crucifix Thank you Jesus that's my mix Oh my gosh, the sexual enduendos were just unending in this show. They were so, <laughs> they were just never ending is right. Oh but some God. of the craziest stuff that uh, that was probably one of the one scenes where that wasn't the best edited. There was like some bad like dubbing, but oh. <laughs> overall, like it was still a fun song. Right, it was fun. So anyway, for this segment, we're going to be highlighting some weird pageants. So we looked up some weird pageants that are true pageants. They actually exist. And one of them is called Miss Drumstick. And this is a beauty contest in Yellville, Arkansas, where women actually show off their legs while hiding their faces behind turkey masks. What? So they win the pageant based on how good their legs look. And then next we have Miss Adam. And this is actually uh, showing how many beautiful women and uh, young girls work in the nuclear-related establishments. So, so random. But also, you know, they're being honored for their minds. Truth. They're probably brilliant women, they so that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah, and then we have Miss Plastic Surgery. This happens in China. Women and transsexuals between the age group of 17 to 62 participate in this pageant for the title of Best Artificial Body. Oh boy. Fascinating. And then we have Miss Pregnant. So this happened <laughs> in a few countries and it even happened in the US recently in Cincinnati. And candidates who were pregnant strutted their stuff in bikinis to win over a thousand dollars in baby expenses. Unreal. Right? And then we've got a couple other fun ones like Miss Prisoner. So those are ex-cons. Uh, Miss Mama Kilo for women over 200 pounds. And Miss Condom for women in Thailand. They blow up condoms like balloons and then they're questioned on sex and STDs. So pretty entertaining, huh? The, the pageant <laughs> world is an interesting place. If this show wasn't enough... <laughs> That alone. That's incredible. Right? Who yeah. knew? Who, who knew? Yeah. Well, it was a crazy season. Yeah. A lot happened. It was fun as hell. I had an amazing time. If there was a season two, what are some of your predictions for that season? If we do get an order. We got our predictions? Your After Buzz TV predictions. Just keeps just never stops. Oh my. All right, let's hear them. Okay. I want to hear your prediction. What is something that you would look forward to for season two? Wow. So, season one, I feel like ended on such a dark note. I mean, I felt like there was so much entertaining and upbeat and exciting happening earlier up until then. And then it was like all of a sudden, did Patty murder two people? Oh my gosh. So, I feel like she didn't. So, my predictions for season two are that. Christian and or Stella Rose are still alive. I like the and or. One yes. or the other. Yes. And I, I could definitely see yes. one of the two of them coming back. Probably Stella Rose more than the other. Because we really... That was just thrown in there. I know. We don't know weird. how she died. If we should... 
she got run over by the weenie mobile who the hell knows maybe not um it, that'll be fascinating yeah i also think this might happen we might see patty get to know her dad mm. we might see that relationship unfold and i don't know we're gonna see what happens at regionals but i i can't see her winning it would be interesting i, I like that you mentioned yeah. the dad thing because the played by billy baldwin which was just an interesting right? little cameo yeah that was great but it's gonna be fascinating to see yes i think she has to because i think to move the season forward should there be a season two she would need to win regionals and then get to the i think they were calling it miss american lady or miss something american lady yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so if they get to that point then maybe some of the past the christian murder stuff like that comes into the foray and mm-hmm. then it becomes a lot more soap opera crazy what's gonna happen to patty type thing i could see that happen i think they're gonna get caught i don't know i, and I just don't want car. anything bad happening to bob I armstrong know. he's just he's got, <laughs> the guy's just he's the best He's the best. He's so great. if anything happens to Bob, I will be sad. But, you know, he's such a stand-up guy. I could see him, you know, taking, you know, a bullet for Patty after all that they've been through. She has saved his life twice. So twice. it wouldn't be far-fetched. Yeah. Oh, God, so much good in this season. Guys, if you haven't watched it yet, for whatever reason, if you've sat through this with all these spoilers, <laughs> we still recommend you watch the season. And for anybody that's been watching this episode, uh, please comment in our section. Let us know what you thought. Uh, again, we are AfterBuzz TV. There's a lot of great things happening at this station. So check out the other after shows. Maggie. Take it away. Just, uh, you know, this is your first average show, so uh, sign off. Oh, it was so great, guys. Thanks so much for watching. Again, I'm Maggie Clark, and you can find me on Instagram at Maggie Clark on camera and on Twitter at Maggie on camera. And I am Kevin Ellis. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Kevin Ellis. Guys, thank you for joining us on this after show of AfterBuzz TV's Insatiable. It was an awesome season. We're so happy that you were able to sit down with us. Talk good about this series because we want to see a second season. Yes, please. Tweet. Make sure that Netflix knows that you liked it. Uh, and stick around again for your other after shows on the AfterBuzz TV network. Guys, in the meantime, take care. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 